welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Uh, this is the CCM Chit Chat Money Investing Power Hour. Uh, I am Ryan Henderson. I am with Brett Schaefer. And today, well, I guess anytime we do this show, the only rule is that we come, we are not allowed to prepare anything. So all topics are fair game. It's been a bit of a quiet week in the world of finance, I guess. Would you, I agree. Would you say that? Yeah. Outside of the continued Twitter drama, which is hard to follow, I guess. Right. Yeah. It's so confusing. But yeah, we're winding down earnings season. I mean, I guess this morning I watched the Spotify investor day, which was quite long, but lots of good details there. If you're interested in that company, definitely go and watch it. But I think it was three hours and 40 minutes. So took up all my all, all the morning so far. Do investor days ever bother you? Like with the length? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Can yeah, you just give I, us like the slides and I don't know, maybe an hour spiel. Yes. Uh, a lot of it was like product day combined with investor day. I wish they would separate it out because there was a lot of stuff that was interesting around their new product features, but that might have been more relevant for you know users. And well, I guess it's kind of relevant for us for maybe potentially, you know, as podcast hosts. But besides that, yeah, the investor stuff was kind of crammed into the last hour. So they always save the best for last, the financial projections, all that good stuff. What was your uh, biggest takeaway from the day? Uh, that they have... Well, I think the biggest takeaway is that they have very large long-term ambitions that no one believes they will uh, achieve. So their their goal is to hit $100 billion in annual revenue by 2030. That's their big target, uh, which will require some hefty growth. I'm not sure I believe they will be able to do that, but that is their that is their target. So, yeah. And the, the, I guess the other big takeaway is they confirmed that audiobooks are the next big... They basically said that audiobooks are their next big uh, category. So that is the two things. I kind of like them for, get, for them to get podcasts right first. Yeah. It's hard to, I think, yeah, it's still super early days in the audiobooks. I think they were just throwing a bone out to people because their acquisition of that distribution platform hasn't even closed. Um, and they gave no details on anything for audiobooks, but they just kind of gave a stay tuned over the next, say, five years. They said that's when they're going to start their investments heavily. Going into the investor day, what were you looking for what were you hoping to uh, I was just looking for some more details on numbers surrounding their anecdotes and I think we got them um, hard to remember all the exact numbers but yeah and it's a bit of a whenever they give out numbers you went <laughs> you kind of a lot of people interpret them either bullish or bearish you know they're, they're the exact same number 
So I don't really want to say, no, it's hard. It's so hard to come up with any analysis because it is very complicated business. If you know what I'm saying? So they gave out a lot of numbers, but it'll probably take a while to digest. And it's not a company. It's a company that's still in a lot of flux. So what, uh, what are your thoughts on coupang? Like coupon, coupon, I believe is. Are you sure about that? I've heard so many people call it coupang lately. Uh, I think it is coupon, but I I also could be wrong. And I think it's because it's like coup, coupon because they used to be like a Groupon type style thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. coupon. I've been following them since the IPO. It's pretty interesting. Putting up some strong growth numbers. Margins are pretty low. Uh, they're copying a ton of Amazon's retail strategy and Prime strategy almost to a T, which could be a good thing. But what? I was wrong. I said it's been a quiet week in finance. We've got the rumor that, uh, or maybe it's official, I don't know, that Netflix is exploring buying Roku. Oh, yeah. I just saw a tweet on that. Did you see any details? I haven't, but I have to imagine. All right. So Roku's up 10% today. Stock's trading at 100 bucks. The market cap is $14 billion. Let me do some, let me try to do some valuation stuff real quick. I believe it's doing like, yeah, about a billion and a half in gross profit. Well, that's a decent multiple. Uh, I don't know. You're more of the expert in Roku. So do you have any thoughts there? I think it's, a good, I like Roku's business and I think it's a good uh, thing for Netflix to do. And it kind of builds them into a streaming powerhouse that goes beyond purely their service. And it allows them to monetize the success of other streaming services. I just don't know if Netflix has the, is in the position to do it. Yeah, and I don't know if Roku would want to do that given their potentially increased competitive positioning in the industry, although they are also in a state of flux just because the there's so many changing variables within that market. If, However, I think if Netflix wants to accelerate its advertising goals or advertising um, segment that they're supposed to roll up by the end of this year, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong there. This would be a good way to do that because Roku has a lot of that technology built out. Uh, I don't know if it would, would it, well, it would definitely pass antitrust. It's not like, if anything, it would be an antitrust one if they're antitrust uh, risk if they succeeded really well with an acquisition. But I don't think it would, you know, there wouldn't be any antitrust now. I don't know if you can call any acquisition of a company that competes with Apple, Amazon, Google, uh, like anti-competitive. Exactly. They would have to succeed a lot with the acquisition. There, there wouldn't be any risk there. Now, it, it would... Pro, I don't know how beneficial it would be to Netflix or Roku. What are, where are the... Just maybe the advertising stuff. If you wanted to supercharge Netflix's advertising tier 
you and, can get like Netflix free for a year with a Roku OS. Yeah, or the, like the ad supported one. I think the only the only way it makes sense is if they really supercharge the advertising uh, segment, and this could this could accelerate that. Although parts the other parts of the business, I don't know how much it makes sense, but we'll see. We'll see. I I I, I doubt I doubt Roku. Or sorry, okay. let me just finish Go out ahead. here. I doubt Roku will sell because it seems like Anthony Wood, the CEO there, is really. Uh, I bet he's entertained a lot of offers. They were entertain Comcast was entertaining an offer for like twenty billion dollars back when Roku's stock was much higher. So I, I doubt he's in. He wants to sell. I don't think that's his mode of operation right now. But high enough offer. I don't think they'd sell. Yeah. I don't think they'd sell below like $20 billion. I have to imagine that. And I saw someone on Twitter today estimating that, I don't know, this is just an estimate, but he's like, no way Anthony Wood sells below like 180 a share, which was like, I don't know. It's pretty arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah. He he did some, he backed in some math to it. But the, uh, the other thing I saw is that trading has been, trading of their stock has been w- stopped at the company for all employees because of this Ooh. potential news. So it seems more real than just rumors. Gotcha. Okay. So it's kind of like a leak from the company. Yeah. And we'll see if, if it goes through, we'll see what price it's at, but I don't know the price Roku is willing to sell. I don't know what kind of return on investment Netflix will get. It, the other rumor was it would be a stock deal. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> tougher for Netflix now, right now. Yeah, but what Roku's down seventy five percent too. <laughs> They're both down like. Yeah, let me let me get the old let me get the old Motley Fool wide charts up here and see who's down more year to date. The thing is, Anthony uh, Wood, what he worked at Netflix, right? He Roku, they, uh, was, Roku was spun out. Yeah, it was incubated there real early and then spun out. I think Anthony Wood and uh, Reed Hastings are pretty close. I don't know. It feels like a power team to me. I've been I've been wanting this to happen for a while. I thought Roku was a prime acquisition target for a lot of companies. Yeah. Okay. Here. Yeah. I want to go more deep into that thought. What do you want to guess? Who's down further year to date? Both are below fifty percent or down fifty percent. Year to date, year to date, Netflix. Correct. Netflix is down sixty six and a half percent, and Roku is down fifty five percent. But yeah, speaking on that, saying that it was a great acquisition candidate. I'm not a giant like John Malone expert. I just I read the Cable Cowboy, and I don't understand the Liberty Complex too much. But one of the big takeaways I got from reading that book and kind of studying their strategy and why they've done so well over the, uh, how long has it been now? A few decades is they've looked at stuff, not necessarily as a, how much cash flow it generates, but a strategic asset within an industry and Roku. It might've just been as simple as Roku is a really strong strategic asset for any sort of company that wants to win in video streaming. And connected TV in general. Yeah. I mean, it's a what? 
four out of 10 households in the US are Roku streaming devices or four out of 10 households with a smart TV. I think maybe it's three out of 10, but it's, I don't know, that operating system, whatever smart TV operating system you have, you're probably on there for a long time, I would think. I'm probably not going to change from Roku after I'm done. I mean, it's not as sticky as like your mobile phone operating system, but I have no reason to switch and I'm on Roku now. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of investors say I, uh, things like, I don't see a reason for Roku to exist or what's the point of Roku. And I, I simply believe that's not true. Um, it provides a ton of value to me as a consumer. And you can see when studying the business, I'm no expert on it. I've just kind of followed it lightly for a few years. It provides a ton of value to advertisers and streaming services in general. And not even some of it's like the in app, uh, ad inventory. That's whatever. I know a lot of people are moving their ad budgets to CTV, but also like the, the, whatever, I don't want to call it a billboard, but the ad that they have on the homepage is super valuable digital real estate. Like I saw the Obi-Wan Disney plus promoted the Obi-Wan show on the Roku home screen. They're doing that to me too. Yeah. Immediately came in, immediately went in and watched it. I, I mean, it seems super valuable. If you have a really, like if you have a new show, it seems like a perfect place to promote it. Yeah. Side note, you said the Obi-Wan show was bad. I watched it. It's not bad. It's, I didn't it's say it was bad. All right. Well, maybe that's, I thought that's what you said last week, but. I didn't think, uh, I thought the first two episodes were underwhelming. Third episode was great. Okay, fair. You hadn't watched the third episode yet, but I think it's solid. It's got some promise there. Definitely better than the, 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 the sequel trilogy. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Here you are, miles from home and ready to start your vacation. Good thing you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. They have free high-speed Wi-Fi to stream all your favorite movies. And in the morning, get fresh waffles with their free bright side breakfast. Or squeeze in a workout at their fitness center. Either way, you're ready to conquer the day. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you triumph. Book your stay at LQ.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. But back to Roku, yeah, I agree with all those points. It's not, um, yeah, it's not as valuable as a smartphone operating system or the hardware-software combination, but you can see the potential. And yeah. there's not even it's not even potential anymore. Their gross profit growth has been very, very strong. And they're getting held down by super bad gross margins on their hardware stuff right now because of supply chain issues. If they work that out, then consolidated financials are going to look a lot better than people think. I know this sounds like a pitch for Roku, and I haven't, or we, I don't think either of us have owned a 
either in the fund or individually for a long time, but it's one that's been on the watch list for a while. Yeah. I want to pull up the shareholder letter because Anthony Wood said something good recently about, gosh, let me find it. The, The discrepancy between the amount of eyeballs on smart TVs versus the amount of ad spend. And all right, I think this is it. Okay, it says, according to Nielsen, in Q4, uh, adults aged 14 to 49 spent 45% of their TV time streaming, up from 40% in the prior year. Yet it is estimated that advertisers spent just 18% of their US TV budgets on streaming in 2021. I have to imagine that converts over time. And Anthony Wood thinks that 100% of uh, time spent watching TV will be streaming eventually. You know what else I think is ironic? I moved away from cable. I guess I never really had a cable package, but I moved away from cable. And the one thing I was craving the most was a a cable-like package. And so I just got YouTube TV. It's basically the exact same thing, just on a smart TV. Oh yeah, you didn't. You were unaware of that. Yeah, it's just a copy. Same with Fubo. Shout out to those free trials. Um, oh yeah. Thank thank God for unlimited emails. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's Google providing a lot of value right there. Um, yeah. Anything else on Roku? I don't really have. No, I'd like to, to see. The, I don't. Okay. Does it? Is it worth owning now? do you think given that the acquisition is kind of on the horizon? I mean, it's only up, it shocks me that it's only up 10% today. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of people don't like Roku. Um, Well, maybe that tell that's your answer there. It seems like if the acquisition is on the table, the margin of safety could be a little bit high, but optically it's still, expensive that's why um no no one cares about gross profit right now they care about their earnings and cash flow and it doesn't look good but the long-term growth has been phenomenal and they're comping 2020 or kind of the 2020 early 2021 period with that phenomenal growth due to the pandemic and the numbers personally looked a lot better than i expected it's still a bit expensive on a gross profit basis. Yeah, I agree. So balancing those two items, I'm not Uh, exactly sure. But I also think gross margin, I don't think gross margin will on the player side will stay at like negative 30% or whatever it's at. I have to imagine that they either raise prices eventually or, um, find a way to manufacture it in-house cheaper. True. True. And a lot of that, yeah, supply chain stuff will roll through, but it's affecting them right now. So a lot of people extrapolate that, that one quarter out forever and see that those player revenue, the harder revenue is down so much, or sorry, not revenue margins are down so much. There could be opportunity there. 
yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe I'm just a user and I like it for that reason. I'll also say uh, Mario Super Strikers expected to come out, I believe in two days <laughs> for the Nintendo Switch. I am heavily or eagerly you're long, anticipating. You're long Mario Super Strikers. Yeah, a lot, a lot of buzz for that game. Seems like yeah. a good one. My roommate just got a uh, new Nintendo Switch, the OLED model. So OLED? how does he like you're, it? You're welcome for us. Uh, keeping up the top line uh he likes it the oled difference is only in the handheld display obviously so and we don't use it like that very often um or you're not going to yeah because of the it's like yeah gotcha you know yeah but i don't i think i think it's good it's fun the contents and it's like I don't know. It's just timeless. <laughs> yeah. We still well, played Mario Party, which was like a game from three years ago. Whenever like the whenever like the roommates play, that's the game of choice. Mm-hmm. That's how it I goes. All right. Moving on. Here's a nice headline from Wedbush. What do you think about this? Sell now, buy later. Underperformance for under initiate underperform at a firm. Is that a good headline or what? That's a wonderful headline. What do you think about the Apple Pay later? Uh, irrelevant. I kind of, someone said I was just being, um, I don't know. How to, well, I'm, I'm lost for the word here. Cynic. Like, uh, yeah, I just think the Apple's developer conferences. I've watched those before and I'm like, okay, these things, they're making these things sound exciting, but most of it's just like, okay, cool. New computer, new chip. Wow. Okay. New software thing. Great. I I don't know if it's designed for you. Yeah. But a lot of tons of people watch that. Uh, the buy now, pay later from Apple. No thoughts. Could that be interesting? Maybe, but there's a lot of, I don't have the actual data, but there's I've read some articles from, and these aren't just like blogs, it's like the Financial Times and some other stuff of buy now, pay later, um, what are they called? The securitized loans are not performing very well, which indicates that maybe they're being a little loose on their lending standards, but we'll see. Apple can obviously... Um, it doesn't, it's not going to affect them given how large their balance sheet is, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. The, uh, it's irrelevant to their business. It, all that matters is the continued growth of wearables, app store, um, stable iPhone revenues, and then the next thing, which is the AR, VR goggles. Yeah. The, I, I get, I always have a hard time with Apple between, all right. In an inflationary environment, so over the next two years, let's say, I think the upgrade cadence on iPhones would obviously be um, slower. But it's all, I also think it might be the best business in the world when I look around and see everybody staring at their phones. Like I, I have that epiphany probably once a day where I'm like, all right, everyone's glued to this thing. They probably spend, I don't know, five to seven hours a day on it. It's 
the most valuable real estate in the world. I don't see yeah. it going away anytime soon. I'm pretty much locked in for life, I think. Yeah, unless there's a new, unless someone innovates on, because, okay, someone innovates on the next key computing device for people besides a smartphone, because like wearables and stuff, that's not, or even an iPad is not the key computing device. If something replaces an uh, smartphones eventually, sure, but yeah, I think a lot of people realize it's a darn good business, but Okay. What price is it trading at? You know what I mean? Fan mag versus Berkshire next five years. Next five years, fan mag. Yeah. Are we talking, well, Same. Netflix is in there equal weight? Eh, I guess it's cheap. it's cheap enough. And the N is fluid. It's either NVIDIA or Netflix, whichever you prefer. <laughs> I don't know. NVIDIA, I've tried to understand, but I cannot. Uh, what is that? So it's Facebook. Alphabet, Amazon, Microsoft. Uh, no, going to have and, to be uh, ManMag here soon. It'll because be of Meta? Meta. Yeah. Oh, I def- Why do they have to go and ruin the acronym? <laughs> I definitely take big tech. Yeah. From these I, prices. I can't, but, think uh, better, I, like, I can't think of a better risk-reward bet for the next 10 years than just FanMag. Uh, businesses are all okay we'll see what margins are i'd say forget about price apple amazon microsoft google meta's hard to interpret what what's going to happen with their capex but the uh you take those five businesses they have the most resources in the world they all pretty much have a sizable moat and they can kind of grow at will and they just so happen to be trading on average probably i want to say around 20 times cash flow cox panoramic wi-fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices you'll get real-time alerts oh like this one so you don't have to worry about malware or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link and now all your computer can play is red color red color All blocked, thanks to advanced security, included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. I'm guessing. That's kind of a guess. But I think, I guess Amazon's is going to seem more expensive because of the recent quarter. But Google and Facebook are obviously optically cheap. And then... Well, Google's are right. Facebook's optically cheap. Google's right around, I think, slightly below. EVs well, it like depends. 20, a little less than twenty times. Yeah, I mean, you put up a, a good argument. Bet? I don't know. Is there a better bet? I saw Gavin Baker say that recently too. Like big tech seems like such a like great opportunity right now. Yeah, it's a good argument. There are a f- okay. There are a few in companies that I'm way more confident in the non-cyclicality durability uh, of the either industries or their certain business model within that industry. I think all of them, it's not, well, Netflix, you can exclude because it doesn't 
really need to be included. But all of them have strong competitive advantages. I think you just have to ask how much cash are they going to generate versus the price you pay. All right. Well, here's, here's two anecdotes. Actually, one anecdote. The other day, I saw a bus, a Microsoft shuttle going from Seattle to the Microsoft campus. If they have oh, yeah, the room, if they have the room to do that on a regular basis, I think they can easily pick how much cash they want to generate each year. That's an interesting anecdote. If yeah, AWS runs bus runs city bus advertisements, I think they can pick how much cash they want to generate. Yeah, but sometimes spend is hard to it's hard to peel back. Uh, yeah, the they're obviously giants. So if yeah, so you're saying it like in a sense that if they hit a little bit of a macro headwind, they'll be able to peel back expenses and still generate well, a ton the, of cash. Yeah, some of the completely unnecessary expenses that they have, I think they'll be able to peel those back. On a side note, this is totally different, but uh, I was watching an interview with the CEO of Upstart yesterday. Uh, Dave Gerard, I believe is his name. And I do like him. And at the end, they uh, the, the interviewer asked whether... This is basically a question about like, what's your advice for stock pickers in today's market? And he's like, I don't really buy stocks individually on my own that much. I'm not really into it. Um, he said, occasionally I'll do it if I just like really like the tech and know how hard it is to build. And he said that he took a big position in Zoom and he said they were working on a product like that at Google and couldn't do it. They couldn't make it that good. And he's like, well, I, I, I just like the management. They, they were able to do what we couldn't. So it's like that. So I don't know. That was like the most bullish Zoom commentary I've seen in a long time. That's interesting. Yeah, the product's nice. Never breaks on us. Fingers crossed. not going to happen right now because we're on Zoom. But yeah, it's great. We're on gallery mode, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we just are. Confirm. All right. We always make that mistake. It makes the YouTube worse. Uh. Speaking of that, if anyone has any comments, go in to the chat, ask them up. And if you're listening to the audio format, which the majority of you are, you can uh, join us. Well, today's is on Wednesday, but we typically do them on Thursdays around lunchtime on the Pacific Coast. Um, noon. Noon. To be, to be specific, it's noon Pacific time, three o'clock Eastern time. Yep. All right. Any, let's see. Yeah, I mean, what are your the thoughts news on Zoom? here? Zoom. I could see it working. I don't know. I haven't looked at the price for a while. We did that updated. We did another show on them. And I remember coming away fairly pleased. Uh, not pleased because it's like they're not trying to please me, but like uh, fairly impressed with how they've executed through the pandemic. Yeah, software is a much easier business to manage than Peloton, but they've done quite well with it. Uh, what are they trading at now? Like 30 times cash flow? One I'm second. sure it's a little, either a little bit more, a little bit less. I'm going to do the math right now. You need a solid amount of growth over the next, say, five to 10 years, top line growth, if, I guess, or free cash flow growth, whatever you want to uh, use. 
to get some solid return targets at a 30 times free cash flow multiple. Um, but it looks like there was some times, actually it could be cheaper. EV to free cash flow is 18.8 times. Uh, okay. Well, I was looking at trailing EBITDA. So I think they, it's possible they may be over earning on free cash flow right now, but I, I don't have any of the numbers in front of me. So if taking that at face value, eh, yeah, it could be cheap if you think it can grow at 10% plus and sustain the, the margins. I see no reason for us to leave and we're on a uh, college account that's going to expire eventually and then we'll start paying. So I, I it seems... It's sticky. It is It's sticky. hard. Yeah. It could definitely work. I could see the stock working. I don't know that many people that have made the transition or actually once they're on Zoom or something like that, made a shift away as a personal decision. Maybe if they had to like, if their work has a different system, they'll use it. But I don't want to switch because it's just a hassle to relearn it. Yeah. And, it, it, and the nuances with them, there's just little, I don't know. Enterprises. Yeah. A lot of enterprises use Teams just because the bundle, it seems like. Going live on YouTube, that wasn't easy. I don't want to have to try to redo that with uh, some other <laughs> system. Yeah, Which, by the right. way, YouTube, if you're listening, uh, got to fix that, make that a little more seamless. The other thing, uh, did you see YouTube's comment today, the the co-founder of YouTube, his comment to Elon Musk? Yeah. Are you hearing any echoes from my voice? Okay. That's on my end. If anyone's hearing that, I don't know why it's happening. It's only happened a few times, but yeah, to your comment. Yeah, that guy, I don't, he doesn't work at YouTube anymore. I guess after that buyout, he got that nice cash out, cash out from Google. Um, yeah, what did, what did Musk say about the spam, right? Spam ads? Yeah. Something like that. Honestly, he's not wrong. Yeah, well. And that's they, not. Or, or he said not spam, scam, scams, right? Yeah. Scammy ads. And you know what? Just because you have YouTube premium as an offering doesn't give you the right away to get to just shell out scammy ads. Uh, I find it interesting that the, a man worth $200 billion or whatever, it's down to hundred something now, doesn't pay for YouTube premium. So what is it like 10 bucks a month? Yeah, I know. It's a little ridiculous. It's way cheaper than that too, if I'm not mistaken. But hey, that... I think it's a good testament to Google's algorithm because we all know Elon Musk likes scams. So <laughs> you just there. Oh, there goes half our viewers. Oh, yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think the uh, what what percentage odds would you give the Twitter deal going through at the current price? That is an impossible question. <laughs> I have no clue. I'd but say 60, 60% chance it goes through at the current price. All right. You're, you're very confident. What's your thesis? He's walked himself into a situation he can't get out of. That has not stopped Mr. Musk before. He, is, he seems to just be Teflon Elon. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a great spread on this little arbitrage opportunity here. What is it like? Thirty percent. 
Something like that, yeah. Uh, price is 40 42 as I'm looking at it right now. If <laughs> I think it's a great way if you are uh, never invest like this, but if you want to spite Elon, this seems like a great way to do it because you can buy Twitter shares and he can pay you a premium. So you're getting money from him and, and making a little bit of cash. Uh, I wrote that in our Sunday newsletter, but obviously <laughs> don't invest like that. I'm, I'm not doing that, but uh, yeah, uh, seems like the, the Bloomberg writer, Matt Levine is a, quite an expert on these type of things. And he seems to think that Musk has no standing here. So I kind of just defer to him. I've been reading his updates. I thought I had a good joke. You know how everyone says like, do your own due diligence and Musk waived his due diligence. I was like, I was like, that's a big win for the do your own due diligence guys. Yeah. Never wave it. Always do your own. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) D D Y O D D. That's what everyone says. We say that all the time. It's like the B Y O B for, uh, finance. True. Um, Oh God, what was I going to say? The uh, Oh, I was looking at the top 10 games on the mobile phone and it's pretty much Diablo, Immortal. The, the only two that I thought were relevant were Diablo, Immortal and Apex Mobile. Those are kind of the two games that caught my eye. Do you think... Uh, downloads, downloads. Downloads. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, do you think that all the mobile... Because all the big publishers are spending a ton on mobile, obviously. Do you think the spend is worth it? Yeah, I think so. Pretty profitable. Mobile is very profitable, even with app stores taking 20 to 30%. So, yeah, I think it's worth it. And it takes a lot less resources to spin up a game than and maintaining a game on a triple A console or sorry, not on console or PC. Yeah. And they can be really, really additive to a community or a franchise. Um, Call of duty has executed phenomenally with that, even though the stock went into a bit of a tumble and you know, they had that, the allegations at the company are kind of a separate thing from this, but they executed really well in call of duty mobile, making it its own thing. That thing's got great reviews. I think it had a billion dollars in revenue. I would be hard for me to believe that it's not profitable. Do you think think that the... Okay, one pushback I always hear from a lot of investors in the gaming space is that these games don't translate to mobile. Well, do you think that is people with consoles that are saying that? The ones that can experience a sort of a higher, more immersive version, or I don't know. I mean, they need to translate it for. Go ahead. I feel like there's a large cohort of gamers that don't have the money or the resources to be able to buy a console, and so they this is their only access point. Yeah, two things there. I think at. Uh, developers are learning how to make, say, shooters more they're better for mobile. From The reviews kind of show that Call of Duty Mobile and Apex both have solid reviews. Um, is there any other shooters that are untraditional going there right now? 
Diablo Immortal seems to have great download numbers, and that's a really traditional PC game. The reviews look I think pretty they, good, too. Yeah, the developers have solved it to making it more simple, but staying true. Um, you might not have the same intense graphics. And then I think the second thing working in mobile's favor is compared to even five years ago, the phone processing power and screen size and whatever, all the tech around the phone is much, much better. So that, that's a benefit as well. Yeah. And then once we get into streaming, watch out. Then it'll be very strong. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of things are moving in mobile's favor. Obviously, you can't repeat, you can't replicate exactly what Call of Duty looks like on the console, but I don't think that's what they're looking for. Or sorry, I don't think you need to do that to succeed. No. Yeah. It just the thing is like there are certain games that just simply don't do well on mobile. Yeah. Sports-based games to me seem to struggle. Yeah, they can't be well, I say at uh, at a conditional there are sports-based simulation games. It yeah. has to be something just slightly different. And that's again, you have to uh, have the form factor correct for mobile and I think the evidence shows so far, I mean, Activision Blizzard has been pretty good with it. Um, it's there. We'll see, though. It's still a little bit up in the air whether the, a lot of the franchises can succeed and win on mobile, the legacy franchises. But it looks like they're making progress. I think five years from now, we'll know for sure whether all the investment was worth it. All right, question for you. Do you know what the 10-year yield is today on U.S. Treasury bonds? Uh, I not look. I can look right after this, but probably two point nine percent to three percent. Three point zero one four. Mm, so close. In ten years, will be the ten year yield be higher or lower? <laughs> You're asking impossible questions today, Ryan. <laughs> uh, that is so impossible. That's a coin flip. I have no clue. I have no clue. I'm going to go lower. You think the yield will be lower? Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, what's I believe thesis? in humanity. What? That isn't... I don't... I think we'll be able... Goes. I think we'll have enough deflationary services and uh, solve the supply chain enough to uh, warrant lower inflation. Or create lower inflation, which will hopefully decrease yields. There's a lot of variables there. There's a lot of Ten variables. Ten years, man. That's a whole decade. A lot can happen. We could go through a whole yield, new... What was the yield 10 years ago? I bet it was higher. I, I Well, who knows? GFC. Right around the same. For looking... Well, so In 2013, the average yield was 2.35%. Yeah, I guess it jumps the year after that. I we have no idea. We could go through a whole new bubble, and, and we could go through a whole new like. There could be so many things that happen in ten years. So much stuff. I, we have no idea. Oil, like we could. I'm trying to think. Okay, governments can make giant mistakes. Governments can make great progress in fighting kind of inflation stuff like that. 
Uh, we could also invent something like nuclear fusion. I think it's fusion. Is the one that was the potential breakthrough? Who knows? I think there's a lot of unknowns. But yeah, in general, I think you're right that there's a lot of deflationary forces out there, which is basically technology in general. Uh, and that's a definite tailwind for society. But we'll see if it gets counteracted by any, anything else. Can you guess the top five ARC holdings? Without looking? Yeah. Uh, one's Roku now. Two is Tesla. No, Roku's not number one. Across all of their funds. Oh, okay. Well, Tesla, Roku, Coinbase. They love them. They love Coinbase. They also like Block. Is Block in there? Yeah. They love. They love some Block. Man, these are these are big bets. The risk reward on these things. Well, that's why it's a guaranteed fifty percent CAGR. Well, the uh, what's the other Coinbase, one? Coinbase is wrong. Ah, I don't know. I don't know. Then they, Zoom. there's some biotech. Zoom's Zoom. number one. Wow. Okay. Something Tesla's below it. I think it's Zoom, Tesla, Roku, Block, UiPath. UiPath. Well, that is. Which is like the robotic process automation thing. Yeah, software robotic process automation. We yeah. covered that, I think, a year ago. We chose that for a not-so-deep dive, and we're like, all right. It was literally well, trading at 70 times sales when we looked at it. It might have been higher. It was, yeah. And it's trading at 10 times sales now. So congrats to them. Got a nice IPO. Yeah, there honestly. Is. is it worth... Do you think it's worth the IPO to, I mean, I guess the answer is yes, but do you think it's worth it in the long run? Do you think it's better in terms of sustainability to have a two-year period after your IPO where your stock drops 80 to 90%? If you're, you pay a lot of SBC, possibly not. What I would love is if they would do a, you know, a huge raise and then pay everyone in cash, kind of a little buy low, sell high thing. But that's possible. That's a lot of hindsight bias there. I don't it's know. Definitely, I it's definitely a UI path new. Come on. <laughs> it was 70 like times sales. sales or whatever. Like, come on. Let's they, look at the peak. Let's I mean, that is great in terms of raising money. But if you're able to raise money and then tell everyone, hey, we just got a whole bunch of money, but it's going to be a rough next two years. I think it's the right way to go. Obviously, you got to know in advance, but I mean, come on. There's no way that they were going to sustain 80 times sales. Yeah. Okay. Slightly above 60 was the peak. Let's be fair. But still, that's, that's crazy. Another company yeah. I've been looking at is Dutch Bros. Oh, yeah. Your anecdotal evidence. You love. Oh, I'm not interested in the stock at all. Everyone uh, should know that Ryan only can buy stocks that he can like feel in his hands. You know what I mean? That's true. Like my, what do you like say? My Roku remote. Yeah. Uh, what What have you been looking at? Just the earnings. Yeah, just like how egregiously priced it was, basically. The uh, 
it's still not great if I remember correctly. Let me pull it up. The uh, just there's no way they're going to be able to grow store count that fast. And I know a lot, and a lot of people. It's it's like pretty much only on the Western market, so it's funny to listen to like East East Coast investors talking about it because they call it Dutch Brothers. I'm like, yeah, it's just it's Dutch Bros. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, the uh, six billion dollar market cap coffee company, five hundred million dollars in sales. What's the price to sales? So ten ish. If I'm higher, yeah, 12. Their EBITDA well, margins are if they get software margins, negative that more golden percent. Uh, God, I, it's just the thing. What's interesting about a company They're like all that own stores too, like you can't grow that fast. Like, it's not like it's a franchise model. I don't know, yeah, you and, gotta and like train the, your uh managers, yeah. What's interesting about a company like this, a restaurant trading at that high of a sales multiple is you know it's not going to have software margins. So I just, it's like almost guaranteed they won't. Cass, co- coffee as a service. Yeah. They, they have do. a punch card. Is that recurring revenue? And they also do one of the best combinations sugar and caffeine it's so, true yeah, they're kind of firing on both cylinders there the uh if all right i'm gonna go long dated because your your caffeine and sugar combo just got me thinking this 100 years you can only own one stock <laughs> who, what? who are you picking Oh, it's got to be one that was around. One that's been around for a hundred years. Yeah. yeah. I think Hershey. I'm debating on. Yeah, I was gonna do. But excuse me, I had to move my mic there. I'm debating on whether to do Hershey or an alcohol company. What about J.P. Morgan? Nah, crypto. Crypto is gonna. Uh, that's been around a hundred years. Yeah, John. There's John Pierpont. Uh, Jay. Isn't that his name? John. I believe it was John. Yeah. Pierpont Morgan. But then there's yeah, there's J.P. Morgan Jr. as well. You know what other companies have been around for a hundred years? How many? How many can you name that have been around for a hundred years? Hershey, Coca-Cola, Nintendo. Uh, a lot of the alcohol companies, I'm not sure the exact ones, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, General Motors, Ford. Altria in some way, right? Philip Morris. Philip Morris. Good point. Philip Morris there. Um, U.S. Steel. Yeah. <laughs> U.S. Steel. Although that would, I don't think that's my choice for the next 100 years. I, yeah, Ford, I would have to do Ford. No, Ford, Ford. Yeah, Ford is there. I said Ford. Oh. I would have to do either Hershey or another candy company or one of the alcohol ones. I think candy has less terminal risk because alcohol, there's a lot more anti-alcohol sentiment lately. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, but there's a lot to, of hard to say that there was more than the than prohibition. I think there's I, always going to no, be anti-alcohol sentiment. Yeah, compared to 40 years ago, I think that it's just increased slightly. But there's also a lot of anti-sugar sentiments. There's a lot of anti-tobacco sentiment. These are the companies that have been around for 100 years. Yeah. I it, It's got to be one of those, though. It's a fun hypothetical. I love when people do one of those and they say some SaaS stock. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Yeah. Or, or, or they do even Amazon. Uh, they just don't know anything about the history of retail. The, the disruption is constant. But anyways, that's a whole separate conversation. What are the Here's retail stores? Saw. Sorry? Have there been any retail stores that stuck around for 100 years? Sears until lately. Possibly some grocery stores. Walmart was when? The- Walmart's only like 50 years. Damn. I think maybe 60. Yeah. Berkshire, uh, Berkshire Hathaway? No, 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 no. Berkshire Hathaway has been around. Oh, well, sure. Okay. I was saying it's not one of my candidates. It has been around for 100 years, but I just want to put it as the candidate just because it's management risk. It's all about management. But yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't trust that executive team. They say the culture will never. No. Management, successor risk. <laughs> yeah, they say the culture will be embedded, and I hope it does. But I, well, that, that's I, still okay. a risk. I think there's a very good chance that Berkshire Hathaway, in some capacity, is still here in a hundred years, assuming that the world still exists, and be, because there's so many things that would. Every every business within it would have to die. Seas would have to die. True. Railroad the NSF would have to die. Yeah, railroads a good bet. Railroads a good bet for the hundred years. Yeah, but those are cheating answers. Conglomerates are a cheating answer. Um. Oh, I was gonna say another candidate for the hundred years. Uh, I don't know. What have you seen any of the news Uber. on the Uber? Robinhood. It's my yeah. number one. Yeah. Hey. All right. Did you see any follow anything on the the new golf split with the Saudis, the league? Uh, kind of. So rumors are that Tiger Woods was offered $1 billion flat deal to come over to the league, which we don't need to talk about the return on invested capital there. It should be quite low, I think. But uh, is there anyone here's – here's a fun question, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to get in trouble. Is there anyone, any person in history that you wouldn't take $100 billion, a $1 billion payout from to do – to play golf, to do something legal, not obviously murder anyone, do something legal? I think I would take it from anyone in history. It's $1 billion. It's a lot of money. Tiger Woods passed that up. So your your morality has a price tag. I don't think it's immoral. I would take one billion dollars. What if they're immoral people? It, this is not in relation to the situation, but the it's just uh, money. It's 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 money. It's money's money. If I'm not getting paid to do something illegal, 
you can so, use it to counteract. I don't see the moral aspect there. If Kim Jong Un take wants, it or no? Oh no, he didn't take it. He's already he's already worth a billion dollars. So okay, uh, I wow. guess he doesn't want it. But good for that man. If Kim Jong Un wants to give me a billion dollars to play golf, that's a billion dollars less than Kim Jong Un has. I think it's it's you similar think, to like you don't think you're worth the investment. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think there'd be a good ROI on your golf game? Yeah, yeah, that's that that is true. Uh, it is pure hypothetical. You, I, I guess, you don't want a monetary relationship with a dictator, but uh, it kind of reminds me. Of, what if he says he's going to pay you over ten years, and you have to live in this country? Well, then no. But I don't think it's immoral to take the money. Similar to the anti-ESG, ESG. Uh, theory Ooh, yeah. that I have where like I think the most if you're anti-cigarette, if you're anti-gun if you're anti-whatever you should not be avoiding the stocks you should be buying them taking the profits and going after the causes to, to kill the companies I'm surprised there's not more activist ESG if you get what I mean like a group What's the publicly traded gun company? Smith and Wesson. I don't know. Like taking a giant stake in Smith and Wesson. Maybe it's too large of a company, but ESG just seems too. Did you listen to the Oswath Demoderon interview on Invest Like the Best? I did. Yes. Yeah, I think he gives a good. I really like that guy, and everyone like bags on him for some reason. A lot of people didn't like were critical about the interview, but I feel like he does a really good job articulating like everything I'm thinking. And then some, obviously. good teacher. seems like a great professor and uh, he, he loves sharing all the stuff for free, which I'm grateful for. And seems like a pretty rational guy. And he seems to be pretty anti ESG. Yeah. I would. Maybe yeah, there's something I'm missing here. Yeah, maybe there's something I'm missing here, but I, I honestly think if you're ESG and you hate like a certain industry, you should be buying the stocks. So you're the ones that are earning profits because money, it's a legal dollar. It's not like you made it illegally and you can take all those profits and try to kill that industry. Yeah, it's not how you earn it. It's how you spend it. Yeah. You can own all art. I know I've heard this argument made so many times, but your let's take being anti-cigarettes, for example. Which I am. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I'm not that fond of cigarette smokers, but to each their own, I guess. If you're anti-cigarettes, your incremental demand on Altria's stock price will not change the outcome of the amount of smokers in totality. And, and if you, oh, unless on. they're issuing new shares. And even then it's probably still not, but the, they're not issuing new shares. So they're buying back. So it's actually beneficial to these evil corporate people that are profiting off cigarettes for you to be the non-incremental buyer. So all the profits are going to the people you that apparently, you know, 
then use those proceeds. Yeah. To fund anti-tobacco ads. No, there's no way. You could never own. I mean, cigarettes, a lot of people own. We've owned tobacco companies. Nothing wrong with that. But the gun companies, people, no one would be okay with that. Where do you draw your line? Personally, I don't draw. I I don't draw my line anywhere. But I understand. Uh, What about the... uh... The, the ticker that's currently in high controversy. Oh, the, the strip club one? Yeah. Oh, no, no. There's a difference between what we would buy in the fund from what investors are comfortable with um, and what I would personally buy. Yeah. And there's very, very few companies. It's not a giant difference. That really doesn't mean anything. But there's a difference. A slight one. Yeah, that's probably. But to each his own. That's the advantage of being an individual investor. That is true. Uh, But there's nothing, there's also nothing wrong with having morals as an investor because there's so, uh, what are there, tens of thousands of stocks out there? So if you're avoiding a hundred of them, it's not a giant deal. Although some of them have done quite well. The ones that you may avoid have been quite well over the long term. So who knows? Who knows? All right, we've got about one minute here. Uh, any closing thoughts? Oh, uh, no chat today. Which is the market, I guess we're on is a the market up or down by today? the time we talk next week? Oh, man. Again, that's the third impossible question. I'm going to say, don't we get inflation this week? So I guess it could move. If people send them a change, I'm going to say down. And that's another coin flip for you. But if anyone's listening to this and you want and you're, you're at work or whatever, you want to watch us, uh, join us at 12 p.m. Eastern, usually on Thursdays. If we have to push, because I'm flying tomorrow, sometimes on Wednesdays. Uh, but yeah, live on YouTube. You'll join the less than 10 people watching right now, but hopefully... We'll build it up over time and make it fun with people asking questions. And it's also a great place to do any sort of a what were they called? Ask me anything that we don't really AMA never really done. Yeah, we've never really done. So yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up with our disclosure. We want to remind listeners or viewers that Brett and I are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. We are, however, general partners at Arch Capital, so clients may have positions in the securities discussed on this podcast or the show. Thank you all for listening or watching. We'll see you next time.